Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. This is the Ben Burnett Show, the only show in America that features a one-term has-been retired politician that nobody knows on Extra 106.3. Welcome into the Ben Burnett Show. It is the weekend, boys and girls. Thank you for making me a part of your day. This day, this weekend, every weekend, grateful to have all of you. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Burnett. You can follow me on Instagram at The Ben Burnett Show, where you've recently come back to watching the reels. I see you. You don't think I always see you. I see you. I am grateful that you would make me a part of your Saturday and Sunday. Monday through Friday, you can catch my good friends, Tug, Rhino, and Carlos Medina on the morning extra with the extended hour from 6 a.m. until 10. These guys sit there and blow hot air for four hours. Best morning show in all of Atlanta. Super grateful when they ask me to be a guest. I'm a different style Republican than you're going to get, you know, on most of the other programs. Rhino calls me the low-T GOP member. But look, I like to make people think about it. Maybe I'm a little bit more of an establishment Republican. Maybe I'm a little bit more of the guy who's willing to ask his own questions. I love the weekend show because we don't always get to talk about woke ideology. We can talk about some of the global events that are going on. It is a true, truly unique opportunity that they have given me here at Extra 106.3, and I'm appreciative to all of you who tune in every weekend to make that dream of mine a reality. One of the most fascinating things that this world has seen in decades is the Russian conflict in Ukraine for a whole host of reasons. I think the United States kind of balked at the idea that they would invade, and then we had to talk about whether or not we wanted to be Involved, We knew there weren't going to be military troops. But look, Russia sat there for $50 billion a year in taxpayer money. We sit there and send long, we send missiles, we send send munitions. It has been something that is truly extraordinary that has really transcended 2022 and 2023 in a big way. There's, if we fought about the second biggest story, I don't even know what it would be. Perhaps COVID, but honestly, at this point, it is so far in second place in the global scheme of things that it is front and center to everyone in the West. Americans, me, you, the Democrats, we don't always agree on some of the domestic things. Our our foreign policy ideology is relatively in sync with one another on a whole holistic and macro scale. We know that if China invades Taiwan, we are going to be at the aid militarily of Taiwan. I don't know that China's ultimately going to do that because nobody wins that war. You've got a bunch of nuclear power, You've got a bunch of really, really, really strong military assets. You've got allies from the West, and we do a lot of business with one another. The United States economy is a really robust and interesting place because of our relationship with our friends in the Pacific and the Asian continent. It also remains to be seen, you know, how are we all going to move forward? China continues to, you know, they've said in recent days that they're going to open a military installation for surveillance on the northern coast of Cuba, less than 100 miles from the United States border. That is clearly a threatening act. And at the same time, the United States for centuries 
set up territories all over the place. Pearl Harbor was one in, in the Hawaiian Islands when it was a territory. Guam is another. You know, you look at American Samoa and the South Pacific. The United States is not immune from expanding its empire so that it could have greater influence over the Asian countries. When, it, when that coin gets flipped on its other side and it starts happening to you, it does not feel the same way. Ask any of the politicians in America. China has no right to set up this base. Cuba is a communist country. In the 1960s, they were one of the biggest enemies with the Cuban Missile Crisis with respect to the Russians. That was less than 20 years after World War II ended, when the United States and Russia largely were on the same team, even though they were on the same team for different reasons. They did not like Nazi Germany because most of, most of that was predicated on, from the United States standpoint, on our allies and our relationships with Great Britain and France. Russia didn't like it because they had a large portion, they had a large population of Jewish people. But your friends are where you find them. That's what I always sit here and say on, you know, so, so often we have the privilege of being on right before NASCAR on Sunday afternoons. Your friends are where you find them. You get in a long 500-mile race and you don't know who's going to win the war of attrition, who's going to be there at the end. And sometimes it makes for some unlikely partnerships that you never see again. And I think that that is one of the things that is really interesting with respect. When you look at Russia and the situation that they have found themselves in, we know that they are a nuclear power. We disclose our number of nuclear weapons to them. They disclose a number of nuclear warheads to us. And we have sat at odds with them. But so much of what happens today affects us, whether you want to admit it or not. Russia controls a ton of the natural gas and energy that flows into Western Europe. And they got lucky in the early part of 2023, at the end of 2022, that the Western Europe had kind of a mild winter. They would be in a world of hurt if they saw a really severe winter because those pipelines are largely shut down and they've had to turn to alternate energy sources. But look, gas, electricity, a lot of those things are generated through the means of which the Russian government has the commodities to make that go. You can fight it for a little while, but you can't fight that in perpetuity. But when Russia enlisted the help of a mercenary group, a Chechen mercenary group in Wagner, and they let Yevgeny Porgazin, and I know that I have butchered his name into my three Russian listeners, I am sorry. That dude had a mercenary group that was made up of convicts, bad military people that the Russian government didn't want, and they did that because they knew that there was so much firepower coming into Ukraine from the West that they had no choice but to look and see who their allies could be. And then the Wagner group got angry with it. And they thought they were mistreated. They thought they were put into really bad, hostile situations. War is, in no uncertain terms, an incredibly hostile situation. And you have a bunch of people that are bad actors. I don't think anybody, Republicans or Democrats, dispute that Vladimir Putin is good for the safety and security of the rest of the world. I can't think of a single person who would come to his aid. I don't, it, even you look at John Ossoff, Raphael Warnock, they think he's a bad guy. You look at people in, that I think a lot of on the Republican Party, people like Brian Kemp, people like Mitch McConnell, they don't like Vladimir Putin at all. So none of us disagree on absolutely everything. We absolutely disagree and get political on how we want to deal with things. But when you look at the last week, Wagner decided, and there are 5,000 troops, that they wanted to go to Moscow, that they were mad enough at Vladimir Putin for how he had treated them over the last 12 months with the war in Ukraine, that the Russian military dug up interstates so that they could not enter into Moscow because they were coming. 
And they were coming and they were going to attempt to overthrow Putin's rule as the Russian quote-unquote president. Think about if that were to happen here in the United States. I can't imagine this country. We fight about January 6th. We fight about guns. We fight about unborn kids. I can't imagine a state or group of states, be it California or Texas or their National Guard or their safety and defense force, being so mad that they're like, we're going to Washington and we're going to find the White House and we are going to overthrow it. January 6th in the United States was a dark day. It wasn't a bunch of just peaceful tourists along for the ride. They were people who wanted to see that Donald Trump was still instilled as president. And there were a handful of people who lost their lives. And that was a bad situation. No question it was one of the darkest days in American history. It was. That pales in comparison to what Vladimir Putin has to put up with now. And he knows with his nuclear arsenal and his hypersonic weapons, if he uses one of those with the wrong warhead, his time in office is over. And the United States and our allies will cease to make that country exist. And he's not going to do that for one reason. I think Vladimir Putin is looking for an exit strategy from Ukraine because he realizes now that the rest of the world meant business when they were willing to arm a much lesser army who was willing to fight to the death so that he couldn't take it over. Other times that Vladimir Putin has sought to annex land like Crimea so he had a warm water port, there wasn't even really a shot fired. The West was largely not involved in that conflict at all. But think about all the things that have transpired in the last year. Vladimir Putin is like the emperor who has no clothes. He, he has weapons that can cause an immense amount of destruction, but he doesn't have the loyalty of the Russian people. I think a year or two from now, John Huntsman was on CNN, the former ambassador in the Trump administration to Russia, and said that he believed, firmly believed, that it is time for the United States to start realizing what life might be like without a guy like Vladimir Putin in office in Russia, because he is a savvy politician. We don't dole out compliments to him, but we don't take away from him what he is and his EQ and his skill set and how he's meandered the path of changing the Constitution so that he can run for president again and again and again and rig an election. And with a country that has over 100 million people, it is remarkable that the guy has managed to stay at the forefront and the fixture of that government. I can't tell you anybody else. Sergey Lavrov, the defense minister who's been with him for the entire time, those are the two people I can tell you that are involved in the Russian government. And that's one more person than most of you could name involved in, 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 the Rus in, in Russia's politics. But Russia ran into a giant problem, and it was so bad, and Vladimir Putin was so afraid of what Wagner was going to do to Moscow and what that conflict was going to look like on Russian soil in their largest capital city, that the dictator in Belarus, who is essentially an extension of the Russian government, had to save the day. Vladimir Putin agreed that he wouldn't go after, wouldn't, wouldn't go after the Wagner military boss. He made him lay down. They had to provide safety and security and safe travel to Belarus, where the guy's going to essentially live exiled outside of Russia for the rest of his life. And that was the deal they cut. I'm sure he had to financially pay him to go away. Think about what that means. That's the kind of stuff you hear with drug cartels in Central America. It is staggering. It is easily the most interesting story in 2023 to this point. And I don't know that it really got the attention 
with the mainstream media that it deserved. You listen to the Ben Burnett Show on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesdays, I do long-form interviews. I've got a couple more coming out in the summer session. Thursdays, I do my thought in one take. This past week, we talked about the gambling odds and the with respect to the presidential election in 2024 and how regardless of polls and regardless of media, that was the one statistic you really needed to look at. Section 106.3, Atlanta's all-conservative talk. We will be right back. This is the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to the Ben Burnett Show. Second segment today. We have had such an interesting cast of characters over the course of the last week. I want to commend Caitlin Collins at CNN, which I know may put me at odds with some of you. She's had a ton of really, really good guests on. John Huntsman, former ambassador to Russia, at some point in the early part of the 20-teens, he ran for president. He didn't have much of a chance there. I really can't imagine being the ambassador of Russia, but we'll come back to him in a second. The town halls, the listening sessions, they're in full swing. Ron DeSantis was in New Hampshire. Donald Trump's been all over the place in this giant gold-plated plane. It, do, it does pain me in a, little, in a few ways to know that there's really not much of a primary. Donald Trump spent time in Georgia last week, two weeks ago, the Georgia GOP convention with a rabid hometown crowd. And I think he's going to win. One of the really strange things about the state of Georgia is it can be entirely ready to move on from Donald Trump and be disparate from him with our state politics. But in the national scheme of things, when that guy puts his foot down, man, the same people that back Brian Kemp and Brad Raffensperger in a general election, they'll show up again. It is one of the most interesting dynamics in American politics today as to how a state can have the same electorate vote two different ways based on the statewide nature and what you're asking your elected officials to do. It does disappoint me a little bit to have seen Brian Kemp fall in line this week, and I'm not critical of Brian Kemp really ever. I think the guy has been a fantastic governor. I think he's had a tough hand dealt to him with COVID. I think he responded incredibly well. But Donald Trump was ruthless to Brian Kemp when he opened early. He was ruthless to him because Donald Trump wanted Doug Collins to be the United States senator. And he candidly, I backed Doug Collins. I voted for him. I wrote him a check. Doug is a friend of mine. He's a friend of the show. If you ever want to go back and listen to some of the interviews we've had where we, I would vote for Doug Collins for anything. When he comes on the Ben Burnett show, we fight because we have to have the discourse in the Republican Party about what we are in favor of and how we move forward. And I always still laugh at the fact that the guys that have all the notoriety won't answer all the questions. But I do want to push on Kemp for one reason. I think he's been incredibly popular because he has been his own man. And when he bends the knee when asked if he would back Donald Trump in a Republican primary, it signals that he's still concerned about his future options. I don't think that's on brand for Brian Kemp for a couple of reasons. One, at no point in any decision that he has made with the state has he looked to Washington, D.C. for help. In fact, it's quite the opposite. And it doesn't matter if it's a Republican or a Democrat. You saw this week with Ossoff trying to take credit for some of the automobile manufacturing and battery expansions here that the federal subsidies got that done, and Kemp clearly took issue with it. Do I think that that was politically motivated? Yes. Do I think that the Democrats have put a lot of incentives out there for EVs to be procured in the United States by the American people? Yes. Do I think that that's had a trickle-down effect to the state of Georgia based on the fact that it's got Republican values and it's right to work 
Yes. But all those things can be true. John Ossoff can vote for the incentives for so that people here can buy them. Korean battery manufacturers, Ford in Kentucky, other places, they can want to locate closer to people who have that values, closer to middle America, closer to the ports so they can export. Yeah, I don't know that the decision is ultimately political as to who got it and why. I can tell you that Georgia is an incredibly business-friendly state with the automobile manufacturers for a variety of reasons. I think that that's extremely important. It has been the emerging industry in the state over the last decade and a half with Kia and Hyundai, you see Rivian, and the battery manufacturers and the supply houses that they're going to be to other parts of the country. And I think that that's important, and I think that everybody deserves credit where credit is due. I think less gets done on the federal level because so much gets done through omnibus funding and pork barrel giveaways and and so forth. And honestly, like you're not going to change that about Washington. And I think Georgia's done a good job of maintaining and creating an equitable climate so that these companies from all over the world want to locate here. And and candidly, it's not just us. You look to the east and you look to the west, you see Mercedes-Benz and BMW in Alabama and South Carolina and Volvo and Tennessee. Like it's not just Georgia. Georgia's had a lot, but Georgia's also bigger than those states are from a GDP perspective and a landmass perspective. But it does disappoint me when asked full throat after everything that Brian Kemp has been through, are you going to back Donald Trump if he's the general nominee? And he said, yes. And I don't think he has to. I don't think he has to answer the question. And I think it's off brand for him to do it. And I can understand why you are ultimately a member of the team. If Brian Kemp doesn't dislike Donald Trump, and the politics, and the nature of which he did things, then nobody does. So why not go ahead and say it? Americans are so sick and tired of people who just relentlessly sit on one team or the other. And guys, I sit to the right. If you look at a voting record that I have, it's extraordinarily conservative. I like really conservative candidates for office. And I sit in metro Atlanta, where sometimes I can definitely understand and try to explain the other side's opinion or why a vote that I would feel in my heart of hearts that is popular is probably not best for the future of this country. But Brian Kemp has proven the same thing to you, and he's governed as an extraordinarily conservative governor. He has the record to stand on, and he's proven he's the one guy separate of Ron DeSantis that doesn't need it. So why would you give that answer now? He's, it clearly signals that he's not going to be in a Republican primary for president, and honestly, it's been too late for a little while. I know Greg Bluestein in the Folks at the state-run media with the AJC will sit there and say the same thing, but it remains 100% true. As you transition around and you look at things, I think there are a lot of really good reasons to be proud of several of the years of Donald Trump's administration. The repatriation of money from overseas was the most significant thing that he did. He took businesses in countries that have an American flag on what they do, and he said, hey, if you want to bring your money home, you pay a one-time tax here. And you saw all those companies repatriate all their money from overseas, a lot of it. Apple, the the carriers, AT&T, all of them, they gave huge bonuses to their employees based on a a Trump policy that was grounded and founded in, in a good decision. And yeah, they had to pay a little bit. But then you saw the deficit spending continue. Even before COVID, that man's budgets ran record deficits not surpluses, is the greatest economy in the history of the world because he printed more money than anybody. And then he got in a situation where politically he had no choice 
but to print more money than anybody because COVID instilled the wartime economy. Donald Trump printed more money in his time in office than Biden had to this point. It's 100% the truth. Go look. If you actually have an objective mind and opinion, you will know that even though the Biden has spent an extraordinary amount of money and he has not helped inflation really move down like he said he would, but you know what's strange about 2023 over 2022? The deficits are smaller. Brian Kemp is the kind of guy who has the objectivity to point that out, and he doesn't. He would rather be a member of the team. And to me, that's everything that's wrong with politics. You shouldn't just paint your own version of the story so that you can win the day or you can be on the team that wins. Meritocracy is about having the best ideas move forward and the best way to do things move forward. And I would vote for Brian Kemp for anything. But I tell you all the time, nobody out there is any smarter than you are. And I absolutely push back on him. And I think that the Biden policies for this country have been disaster. You look, you look at energy. You look at the withdrawal of Afghanistan. He's been horrible for America. His son, Hunter, in the situation that's gone on where he pled guilty to two misdemeanors, one was filling out the questionnaire for a concealed carry permit where he was clearly on drugs and he said that he wasn't. He pled guilty to that. and One was on minor tax evasion charges. And I think that it was a mistake for a Trump-appointed judge to sit there and cut that plea deal with Hunter Biden for one reason. It's not that I dispute the fact that he shouldn't have prosecuted and, and, and pursued a prosecution of Hunter Biden. I clearly think that there are years worth of evidence, but it was such a lighthearted slap on the wrist. But on the other side of that, if you ask 300 million Americans what their opinion is on any issue, they'll give you a different answer. And they all want lower taxes. When you sit there and criticize the Biden administration and, and a Trump appointed justice for cutting a deal with Hunter, you have to ask yourself, what was the outcome that you were actually looking for? I mean, I'll tell you, it, what would have done it for me is, in, to, is to say, look, a guy's not a violent criminal. There's plenty of people. We've got, a prison pro- we've got a prison reform problem. If you make that man plead guilty to a felony, you've got me. And, I, and I'll lay down. I don't think he's serving jail time. I don't think you think he's serving jail time. In the same way that I don't think Donald Trump's going to ultimately serve jail time. Speaking of serving jail time, Chris Christie was on with Caitlin Collins on Wednesday night of this week. And at Chris Christie, for all the many, he just feels slimy to me. I, he gives incredible answers. If you get a chance, it's all over Twitter. Caitlin did a great job of pulling out all the sound bites of it. And Christie was a guy who, you know, really worked hard to be a part of the Trump administration. And then he wasn't. And I think he got a little bit jaded. I'll be a thousand percent honest with you. I like Chris Christie. If you looked at me and everybody was on an equal playing field in 2016 and we didn't know that Donald Trump was going to run away with the primary, I think Christie gives better answers than Ron DeSantis. I don't think he or Ron DeSantis are either one likable, but I think Chris Christie is every bit as intelligent a leader as Ron DeSantis is. And I think that Chris Christie was a really good leader in a state that's, it's not a, New Jersey is not a swing state. Florida is a swing state. New Jersey's blue. And New Jersey's a dump. And he cleaned up so much stuff. And when he ran for president or was in that primary and they got all the charges out about his dealings with the Washington Bridge and his bridge gate and all that, that, that's where the damage gets done in politics, guys. It's when you run. It's when you run the race and you don't have the time or the ability or the legal proceedings to totally exonerate you from something. 
because that's not what ultimately matters. The day that he was out of that Republican primary, Bridgegate went away. And I think that that's part of the sadness and the idealism I feel about America. Man, why do we do that to each other? Chris Christie might have been the best president this country could have ever seen. And he may have saved us from four years of Donald Trump. But I also think that it's disingenuous when you get the opportunity like Chris Christie has. And he's clearly one of the bitter scorned women running for president like Mike Pence, who doesn't like Donald Trump, who Nikki Haley, and she's given better answers. But look, Nikki Haley was a cabinet secretary to the former president. You hear all sorts of people who worked in that administration talking about how incompetent he was. Mick Mulvaney, his own chief of staff a couple weeks ago on Twitter was like, Donald Trump could have never spoken to the American people in an ad hoc interview for an hour on Twitter with Elon Musk. Ron DeSantis just did that. Like, there's nobody out of the Trump world who sits there at this point and has that guy's back. And I don't know why 40% of you or 35% of you don't ask yourself why. Listen to Chris Christie. He talked a little bit before that about how Biden is running for office and why he, or Biden running and why he should defeat him. But is that the way you think Republicans should be answering that question on January the 6th? He wasn't anywhere near Washington. Did he have a TV? Was he alive that day? Did he see what was going on? I mean, that's one of the most ridiculous answers I've heard in this race so far. You don't have an opinion about January 6th, except to say, I didn't particularly enjoy what happened. People were killed. exactly a strong statement. I believe Caitlin said it best at the end, and I think she was just trying to fill airtime. It's really not a strong statement. Running for office is incredibly hard. That is is going to be all of their jobs full-time through August or September because plenty of them will get out of the race when they realize that they're hurting somebody that they may more philosophically agree with or can become a cabinet secretary or a key player in administration. The conversation is going to change with the Republican primary, especially in those establishment Say the establishment, folks. Chris Christie being an establishment Republican is a pretty funny idea. But you have to give the right answers to the really big questions. And to me, it wasn't just a bunch of tourists who were happened to be in Washington, D.C. If you really go back and look, that speech that Donald Trump gave at the mall, where he fired those people up and insinuated that we should go take this country back before they have the opportunity to certify the election. And, and they storm the Capitol. There's nothing that man can ever do to put me back in a place where I would ever... There's no apology. There's no baby come back. There's none of that with respect to Donald Trump. And I don't know why so many people are fine with it. To me, that is the one absolute disgusting trait. But then you look at all the other parts of who Donald Trump is and his family members are getting rich. You know, Jared Kushner went over, I mean, he had Rex, Donald Trump had Rex Tillerson as his secretary of state. He had good people, but yet Jared Kushner was a senior advisor. Jared Kushner's dad owned the Florida Marlins when they were the Florida Marlins at the time. That dude spent time in jail for tax evasion. And Jared Kushner marries into the family, and he goes over and creates this Middle East peace accords deal. It was the biggest, best peace agreement we could have ever had between the Saudis and the Israelis and the Egyptians and the Jordanians and everything else. And then you see Jared Kushner sitting inside of Saudi Arabia taking $2 billion 
out of the Saudi sovereign wealth fund. The Saudis are not the sworn enemy of the United States that the left likes to pretend that they are. We do business with them. It's dirty. We talked about Live Golf a couple weeks ago. There are a lot of parts about the world that don't align with American values. Guess what you figure out when you start traveling? There's a lot of places that are like that. China's like that. People are people. And they're not all going to sit there and speak kindly about certain things. They go pray five times a day. That's not something that we do. Yes, they've only recently gotten to a place where women are allowed to operate a car. Like they make the days where the United States, you know, wanted to give women equal protection and the ability to vote. They make that look forward thinking, and that was damn near 100 years ago. So they they definitely, they, they sit, they ideologically sit in a different place in the United States. But for Jared Kushner to take that money from the Saudis as a member of the Donald Trump administration because the guy's got a banking background, give me a break. To me, the fact that so many of you will not acknowledge that they, they took that role the fact that so many of you will not acknowledge that they took the ability and the time to leverage their time in Washington and turn it around so that you could hook, line, and sinker buy into everything that they had to say at the time, and you still do. And they, they just dupe you over and over and over. If Hillary Clinton went to Saudi Arabia and got $2 billion the Republicans would be absolutely begging for her to be imprisoned. And I don't know that what the guy did was illegal, but I can tell you this. If I went and cut a giant piece, an arms agreement with a bunch of countries that didn't have a lot in common in the Middle East, in less than two years after I was out of office or three years after I was out of office representing an administration, I got three, $2 billion to sit there and invest on behalf of the Saudi government and American interests and energy exploration and things like that. You guys would have a lot of questions. You would have a lot of questions because you should have a lot of questions. But Caitlin's had a pretty interesting week. You know, she goes on, she starts, she had John Huntsman on too, who I talked about earlier, who was, you know, a longtime congressman, in, in, in longtime congressman, longtime Republican. And here's what he had to say as a guy who was Trump's ambassador to Russia. It's an important question. And today I heard the former president that you worked for, former President Trump, talking about. If he's reelected, he says he can solve this issue in just one day. I mean, what is your response when you hear something like that about such a complicated issue? Well, I would begin to laugh out loud, but that might <laughs> that might embarrass me in front of your viewers. I just think that's just nonsense. I mean, I think we've had enough of the games and the statements and the finger pointing uh, and and the charades. That these are very complex issues. They're steeped. In a thousand years of history, as it relates to Ukraine, uh, they're very steeped in the nature of the Russian state that Putin runs. It's a singularly unique state that is tailor-made and molded to his autocratic style. He has a table of advisors consisting of a few folks who run the security uh, apparatus, the FSB, the SVR, the military, uh, and the GRU. And then you've got some oligarchs thrown in. So you take Putin out of that system, uh, and it becomes almost unimaginable what could befall the Russian state because there's no one strong enough with the leverage, with the clout to be able to run the country going forward. So for an American leader to say, I can fix this thing in a day uh, is absolutely ridiculous. And It's absolutely ridiculous. 
And that is Donald Trump's former ambassador to Russia, John Huntsman, who once ran for president probably 15 years ago. I think that was the time that Mitt Romney or George W. Bush was in the race. He was Huntsman ran before Donald Trump was there. Smart guy, never got a ton of traction. But, but look, there's a lot of people like that in, in American politics. Really, really smart people don't always win. That's also what I want you to know. When you look at things, sometimes the Hollywood ending isn't real life. Most of us have been around long enough to take some losses that look like that. But imagine having that next question. I'm always a big guy. Ask the next question. Ask the next question. I have always thought that the Russia war in Ukraine was something that the United States to a limited extent, should participate in. Because Russia's our enemy. And they sat there, I was on the city council in Alpharetta when the Russians and the hackers hacked Colonial Pipeline. Headquartered in Alpharetta. Huge business. Fortune 500, Fortune 1000. It was a huge story. It shut down all the pipelines here in the United States. That was an act of war. And so many of us are not willing to sit there and be honest about who the honest dealers and honest brokers are. Those are... Vladimir Putin and his gang of hackers and his gang of oligarchs, they're bad people. He literally has run for president in a rigged election and tried to poison his opponent. After And then he tried to exile him when he couldn't poison him, and he still sits in prison today. He, his name's Alexei Navalny. You can go read all about him. Clarissa Ward, who's the chief international correspondent at CNN, loves to, loves to talk about that because she's covered it for so long. But think about all these things with respect to President Trump, I can end it in a day. You know what else he said? I'll get rid of Obamacare the first day it was in office. You can go listen to Tom Price talk about that conversation from a couple of months ago on one of my interviews, who's the Secretary of Health and Human Services for Donald Trump, who also says it would be incredibly tough for him to vote for Donald Trump again. Think about John Huntsman and Tom Price. Those are good conservative Republicans. They may not win presidential elections, but there's no denying the meritocracy and the value that they have to this country and the fingerprints that they've put on its history, especially with respect to the Republican Party. You can find that interview with Tom Price from a couple of months ago that I just mentioned a few minutes ago at the podcast, Parker, on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, any number of things. You can catch the Ben Burnett Show on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesdays, I do long-form interviews. I've got a couple more that we're putting out now, and then we're going to come back when school goes back into session, and we'll run straight through the holidays. It's going to be really exciting. I've got some great guests that I'll be teasing a little bit in the next couple weeks. You catch me Saturdays and Sundays at noon on Extra 106.3. I thank all of you for joining me. We will be right back. This is the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to the Ben Burnett Show. Thank you, all of you who make time for me on the weekends, Tuesdays and Thursdays. You can catch my podcast at the Podcast Park on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. The final thing I want to get to, we spend a lot of time talking about the president. We spend a lot of time talking about Russia. We spend a lot of time talking about the economy, global events, China, Cuba, who's after us? Who are we after? The United States Senate Intelligence Committee often has closed-door hearings for a variety of reasons. National security is one. Protection of witnesses is another. 
They talk about sensitive things with respect to the Department of Defense and what our adversaries are doing. And that is, look, that's a constitutionally, it's a legally protected thing that they do. Not everything the United States ever does has to be entirely in public. Not everything any level of government does is entirely in public. It may ultimately come out, but it may ultimately not. And not all of those reasons are bad, even though everybody thinks that the fix is in and everybody's always out to get you. Marco Rubio went on News Nation which is the new network where you see Bill O'Reilly from time to time. You see Chris Cuomo. Regardless of how you feel about those two guys, they are household journalistic names. And they're building a pretty good presence of people on both sides of the aisle. And they have better discourse than you are going to find on a lot of other cable news networks. Rubio this week talked in an interview with News Nation about protecting the whistleblowers that have come forward with respect to UFOs. This is the stuff that we love. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. I think it's been, ever since I was a kid, you always wonder, no, there's no aliens, there's no UFOs. The United States federal government has to protect people, multiple people, from different lines of government from different departments, and some of them are civilians, people in the contractor base, so that they could talk about their experiences with UFOs. You can't make, you cannot make up what has happened to planet Earth in 2023. Take a listen. Say there are people that have come forward to share information with our committee over the last couple of years. I would imagine some of them are potentially some of the same people that perhaps he's referring to. I want to be very protective of these people. A lot of these people came to us even before these protections were in the law for whistleblowers to come forward. People who have had firsthand knowledge, who claim to have firsthand knowledge of seeing this type of thing. Or or have firsthand knowledge or firsthand claims of certain things. Uh, Some are public figures, you know, and and you've heard from them in the past. Others, um, you know, have have not shared publicly. And so we're trying to gather as much of that information as we can. But I, And the reason why I'm being cautious, I'm not trying to be evasive, but I am trying to be protective of these people. Some of these people still work in the government. And frankly, a lot of them are very fearful, fearful of their jobs, fearful of their clearances, fearful of their career. And, and, and some, frankly, are fearful of harm coming to them. So that category of people who have firsthand knowledge, who say they have actually seen these kinds of things, do you find many of them credible? Well, I don't find them either not credible or credible because we have no basis about understand some of these claims are things that are beyond sort of the realm of what any of us has ever dealt with. What I think we owe them is just a mature understanding, listening and, and trying to put these, all these pieces together and just sort of intake the information without any prejudgment or jumping to any conclusions in one direction or another. In a world where we are all fixated on, can anyone mount a serious challenge to former president Donald Trump in the Republican primary? where Joe Biden is essentially working to keep his son out of jail while he is the president in office, and where he's probably going to win re-election as president of the United States, having one of the worst records in the history of this country with respect to inflation, the Department of Defense, and foreign policy. The most interesting thing that I have heard in years is that Marco Rubio, who by no uncertain terms, is one of the most boring people on the face of the earth. He is, he got throttled. You guys all remember what Donald Trump did to him. Rubio wants nothing more than to be president, and he knows 
beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's not going to be able to win because DeSantis is from Florida. That guy's got the hot hand. And so Rubio has largely stayed away from the 2024 fray. And I'm pretty sure that he's not some outrageous ally of, of Donald Trump. He has said that he felt like everything was political with respect to the legal cases that were starting to mount until it was the classified documents. And then he heard on CNN that Donald Trump admitted to having classified documents. He was kind of fine to go along to get along with the party and he was going to be the nominee and I'm just going to be quiet. Maybe this will work out well for me or whatever. And then he goes silent. And not only does he go silent, he starts talking about the Senate Intelligence Committee and what they have been up to. And they had to publish an agenda on unidentified flying objects and they have to protect people. And I am relatively certain there are people whose names we all probably know with respect to closed-door hearings on UFOs. Can you imagine the Iran-Contra affair, Just Justice Clarence Thomas's confirmation, the Trump impeachments, the Clinton impeachments? Can you imagine a world where that body then has to turn around and have a closed-door conversation on unidentified flying objects I don't know how this is ultimately going to be something that is deemed partisan or not partisan, but I'll tell you this. It is interesting. I love America in 2023. I know we fight with each other about absolutely everything, but I am glad to find an issue that the federal government is interested in that we can all pay attention to. Because if you thought we were interested in the submersible that got lost a couple weeks ago when they wanted to go down in a tin can and investigate what happened with the Titanic and look around and be tourists down there for a day. And then they got lost and it imploded and the Navy was looking for them. And we were all captivated by it for four or five days. Can you imagine when this really hits the mainstream media, what America is going to do? The rest of the world is going to look at us like we have seven heads. I can't wait. I always got accused in elected office of being the guy who was like kind of akin to being the bachelor. I could talk in sound bites. I could do things. I could find interesting things that would get the community's attention. That pales in comparison by a factor of a million compared to the conversation that the federal government is about to have and the fact that they have to use a whistleblower protection law to protect multiple individuals with separate accounts of UFOs that they take this credibly enough that it is sitting on the floor of the United States Senate Intelligence Committee, which is one of the most revered bodies in all of American politics, and they have to protect these people because they're afraid of their jobs. It's, it's the best thing ever. I get excited about very little. There's very little that comes along where I was like, yeah, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see this coming at all. And credit to Tug Rhino and Carlos Medina on the Morning Extra, because every couple of weeks, they, I, I'm going to give them credit for the Senate Intelligence Committee hearing. They've been talking about these UFOs, and I kind of started looking at them like, I was like, guys, are you guys kidding? Is this, is this really what you're going to talk about on Atlanta's fastest-growing conservative talk morning show? And then they were right. It's great. I have never been so happy to be wrong in my entire life. You can follow me on Twitter, at Ben Burnett. You can follow me on Instagram, at The Ben Burnett Show. Facebook's there too, just look for the blue check mark. I know for whatever reason, they decided to give me a blue check mark on Facebook, which is my least favorite. I, my most favorite is Instagram. So follow me on Instagram and follow me on Twitter. I retweet a lot of things. I love to fight and punch back. It's not like a blood sport like it used to be. 
But you can follow along there. You can catch my podcast on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Anywhere you get download shows. I've got interviews that come out every Tuesday. Thanks for making me a part of your day. This is Atlanta's all-conservative talk station, Extra 106.3. We will see you guys next week. Make it a good one. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.